Hello, welcome back to the Young Fury Podcast, episode 22. I'm going to be discussing the Handmaid's Tale season 4 finale. Um, and basically speculating about where season 5 will go next. I will be going into spoilers, so if you haven't seen the ending of season 4 of The Handmaid's Tale, I would recommend watching it before listening to this podcast first. Okay, off I go. So, I've already talked about season 4. I would have thought about it in my last uh, podcast about this. This is to discuss the last two episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. So, we've had... Oh, let me just look up the episode. So, for example, Handmaid's Tale... I think I'm also going to be having a look at some articles as well as I'm discussing this of what the reactions were to the final episode. But suffice to say, (laughs) what a finale. I mean, you know, it just went there. I was worried like it would sort of backtrack, but it went there and it just didn't hold back. Um... Let me just see. Uh wiki 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 come on internet don't do this to me the internet today has just been a bit of a pain right right I'm just looking up the episode titles um list of handmade tales episodes right let's go down to season 4 so when I was discussing in my last podcast, I'd finished episode eight. So I'll be discussing the last two episodes of season four. This is what I'll be focusing on. So episode nine is called Progress, aired on June 9th, 2021. And the general synopsis is Luke and June continue their search for Hannah. They call Commander Lawrence, but he refuses. Um, the whole episode focuses on Esther being a handmaid, threatening to go on hunger strike. And Janine basically... Aunt Lydia keeps her with the aunts for now, and she's not allocated to a house yet. Um, kind of respected her wishes for the temp, just until she feels ready to become a handmaid again, I think. And Janine... Janine basically says to Aunt Lydia, you know, Esther's not trying to be... Um, she's not acting like this because she wants to be defined. She's acting like this because she's scared. And then she talks to Esther and eventually convinces her to basically start eating because she said, you know, whatever happens, no matter how much she tried to protest, the aunts will get their way in the end because they will take out her tongue. They'll basically, that's their job. And basically she has to play the long game of playing along the system until, because things will change. And for me, what was key about that scene was is that Janine is, you know, points you may think, oh, she's delusional, but I don't think she is. I think for her mental state, she looks at the positive side of things, and also she's aware that things are going to be changing. They can't stay the same forever. I really should go back at the disc cover. Sorry, I just saw a disc clip out of a cover, and I just, oh, that's a pet peeve of mine, randomly. Um... June agrees to a meet with Nick to obtain information about Hannah, a suggestion made by Luke. Um, that scene was really 
emotional. I, I don't know how to feel about it because people seem to like Nick more. They just find him more romantic. He does more things for, you know, June than, you know, Luke does. And I get where people are coming from, but at the same time, I just think, I don't think people see the whole picture. Nick and June got together under extreme circumstances where they were pressured to get together. It wasn't a relationship born naturally. And fine, like, now they sort of care and stuff. But at the same time, I just, I look at Nick and I don't, in all honesty, I think, in all honesty, I think June is better alone. I don't think she should be with either Luke or Nick. And by the end of this season, I just think June needs time alone to heal. But do you know, she, she won't ever heal till she gets Hannah. I think until she gets Hannah, until she can just be a mother and repair the damage of the time lost and the guilt and the shame, I don't think um, she will ever let go of that rage. And I don't think Nick helps, if I'm perfectly honest. Because um, to me, I feel like if those two end up together... I mean, thinking back to, like, The Hunger Games, a lot of people criticise Katniss and... Oh, sorry, another spoiler of The Hunger Games, if you haven't read it or watched it, even though that's also quite old now. Um, but Katniss and Peter, they get together at the end. And some people criticise that because it was like Katniss went for the romance that was orchestrated by the games because they faked the romance at first. But for me it's worse than that because even though we see Nick doing all these lovely things for June, bearing in mind he overlooks you know, spying on people, he's in charge of executing people who break the law in Gilead, he enables the system he carries out you know, basically abusive human rights and I just I don't think, and even the scene where she's like wearing this red coat it's a little bit disturbing how she wears that red coat and I don't know whether it's deliberate like what the director's trying to tell you in that scene when she goes to see him with this red coat on is that she hasn't let go of Offred of Gilead. It you know, it's shaped her. She she still wears red. Because normally once you've left, you're in Canada now, you're supposedly free, wouldn't the last colour you'd ever wear would be red? Because wouldn't that be a trigger for the trauma, the time that you spent there? But yet she still continues to wear red. So that was one thing I noticed and one thing I spotted in the comment section when watching clips. And uh but he, he's helpful. He sh he tells her exactly where Hannah is. He gets to see his daughter. And it's this moment where... I don't know whether you can call it cheating. Because the circumstances are difficult. It's so complicated. This wasn't a normal relationship. It was by force. Nobody could say no to it. And then, you know, they have a child together. And it, it's just, it's a really complicated situation, which... And 
Luke as well irritates me. I mean, there's parts where people, you know, criticise Luke. And, you know, I'm half and half on Luke. Sometimes I'm sympathetic. Sometimes I think he's irritating. Because there's moments where he just doesn't respect her wishes. He keeps going, oh, I don't know what to do. Nobody knows what to do in this situation. And I think I've said this last time. He can be a little bit irritating, Luke. But other times I think... He is extremely patient, and even the... But I just, um... I just don't know what... I don't... And this will lead to the last episode, what happens with Luke. I'll come back to Luke again when we reach what happens at the end of the final episode. Alien progress. I'll move on to the next segment of that episode. Tello, who... Twello? Tello? His name? I don't know how to say his name. The guy who basically I just also don't like. <laughs> God, this series doesn't have a lot of men, the male characters that I like. Most of the men are either jerks or just are more concerned about their own feelings or, you know, there's not a lot of positive ro- male role models in this series. Most of the men are antagonists, which is a little bit, oh, but anyway, Tuella arranges the meeting at a Roman Catholic school in the neutral zone. June takes Nicole with her, which pleases Nick, and gives her daughter a doll. They emotionally embrace, and Nick provides June with the file on Hannah, including some recent photographs and a current location in Colorado. Fred and Serena are visited by Commander Warren Putnam and his wife Naomi, respectively. Oh, yeah, we had that scene. And then Serena realizes that Naomi said, Oh, we could offer to take your child, and this is a blessing. And. The whole scene plays out quite intensely with Serena going, I'm going to become free. I'm going to have this child. And Naomi's like, well, we'd love to raise her if you, you know, you don't manage to get out. And Fred learns that he doesn't have any more power anymore because Warren said they will not negotiate their release for political reasons because it will set a step precedent that, you know, commanders can be used as hostages. At that point, Serena realises that if she goes back to Gilead, she could become a handmaid. And Commander Fred... Commander... um, Fred realises... Commander Waterford, Fred... He realises at this point that... uh, He has no power. And... This world that he helped build to create has ditched him, has left him behind. So not only was he betrayed by his wife, he was betrayed by the nation that he helped build, which I think is just such a sweet irony. Just and even Serena realising at that point, like, you know, she keeps flipping and flopping and saying, oh, this is a blessing and Gilead and blah, 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 blah. And then, uh, you know, in the same breath, <laughs> she just... Uh, in the same breath, she's like, oh my god, I, if I go back there, I can become a handmaid. And realises the system she had to create will actually turn against her. If that isn't horrible irony, I don't know what is. And I think that's the best part about this series. Just how things turn against the people who were once in power of the situation. Which I just think is brilliant. Um, and then... When he realises he has no power, Gilead is not on his side, Fred then strikes a deal with Tello to drop the ICC charges against him in return for information on Gilead's inner workings. When June learns this, so when he tells them, it's a really horrible scene to learn that, you know, Fred is basically going to walk a free man. 
and then all of a sudden she storms out the house. She goes to Twilight and she absolutely loses the plot, June. She completely... I love the ambient music. I love the drone. I love the acting. I just... I, the close-up of the camera was done really well. I got the sense... <clears throat> I got the sense you could really see the PTSD being triggered at that point. You could see the rage. You could see... She just lost her filter completely. And was like saying to him, you know what he did to those women. Da, 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 da. I will effing kill you. She basically ends... And it just cuts from there. That's the end of episode nine. It ends in a really gut-punching cliffhanger of just... You're left feeling this... Just this disappointment, this anger... And at the end, you sort of get the sense that the government just don't care, which I thought was brilliant because throughout the series, the Canadian government are painted wonderfully. But I think it's important to know that the Canadian government are not perfect. You know, even recently in the news, we heard about all those native children found buried underneath those schools. And there's still I, I still think there's not enough news coverage and outrage about that. But, you know, it just highlights there's an ugly past there. And at the end of the day, somebody mentions it that the government, I think one of the characters in Gilead says to June, the government of Canada are just as bad. They've got their own games that they play. And I just love how that was perfectly, at the end of the day, they didn't care about the trauma. They didn't care about, you know, all those human rights abuses. If there was something to gain, they would have easily given his freedom. And then this leads us to the final episode, The Wilderness, which I think is a very apt title for this last episode of season four. So we start off with Jude taking her testimony against Fred, and it's recorded as the ICC judges are busy. Now this... see Tuello feels bad but you know at this point nobody likes him we don't like him June doesn't like him and we can see that he just is a sly sort of he has vested interests and doesn't really you know he, he works for the government he's not really on their side and uh, oh. so yeah <laughs> The judges not being there felt like a slap in the face. There was something just really awful about watching June sit on this chair in this big empty room. This camera being switched on, recording a testimony. And nobody actually having the respect to just be present to hear her, to hear her say... It was like, oh, we can be stuck on a video. We might watch it, but it won't make much of a difference. The next scene is she talks to Emily at the house and reveals that she is distraught that Fred will be flying to Geneva, where he'll be granted immunity. And they don't mention this in this synopsis, but basically in this scene, you can see Luke is listening and is disturbed and you can tell Moira 
Mora left early enough to be able to heal, I think. Or maybe that's her character. She's strong enough to heal. But I think Emily... I don't know what's the... But I think Emily and June... I think they left too late. I think they got to a point where they went through so much trauma they can't heal till there's there's too much anger in them for them to heal. I don't think they left soon enough to be able to let it go. When you when you look at how much has happened to Moira and then you see what's happened to Emily, all the punishments, all the you know the surgery or whether it was having to and and I'll come back to that but basically when they talk about it um, June says she just wants to make him scared because there's this scene where they're outside and they're talking and she says I want him to feel scared and she just she wants to let it go but she can't and she should try to let it go because she's a mother and that she wants to make him feel scared because uh, essentially um she wants to make him feel scared like the time at the beginning, right at the beginning of the series when she was in the woods running away with Hannah that sort of level of fear and Emily's on the same wavelength of her because she, she replies back more than that, scared to death and those two they get it because they've been through that pain and they understand that pain whilst Moira was just in Jezebel and left early because she left by the end of season one, whilst Emily and June left Gilead much, much later. And um, Luke, as well, is disturbed by the whole thing. You can tell, like, he just doesn't recognise this new version of June. It disturbs him. And I just get the sense this series is trying to get us to ship June and Nick more. But I think also this series, someone was saying, is... It's starting to portray June no longer as a saviour character, but as a grey character. It's up to us now to decide whether what we think she's doing is right or wrong. And I think that's good, because I'm glad they're not portraying everything, because she's the choice she's making are questionable. Not every choice she makes is great. Um, I haven't forgot what she did with Esther, encouraging her to kill her rapist, when really if she was a proper mum and she was psychologically not traumatised I don't think the old June would have done that she would have said no girl needs to because I I sort of want to put would you let Hannah do that would you let Hannah but then you know you get to a point where you get twisted and twisted and twisted and Gillian has inflicted so much violence on these women and also another thought that came to me was that Emily, I don't know if it was the same for Maura, but Emily and June, when I was watching some clips from the earlier seasons, they got the handmaids to also stone people, didn't they? So in some ways, they've killed before, because that's the thing, they've killed before, and I'll come back to this point right at the end. So anyway, we get the sense... June is unsatisfied about what's going to happen with Fred and she can't let it go. She bargains with Tello for Fred to be brought to justice. And this part was dumb because Tello was like, 
This is not fair. You've come to my place. This is my life. Why did you come to my apartment? And he basically threw his... And then, you know, she apologises. But I was just like, well, actually, no. I don't think you should apologise. He was an asshole for what he did. And personally, you know, he should feel that slight violation because by enabling Fred to become free, you know, he basically, he should feel like what it feels like to have no privacy, to, to be, to constantly look over your shoulders. You know, I, I just, I didn't, and I just sort of listened to him and I was like, are you seriously complaining about her just coming? And I just think you did that. You had the face to tell her we're bargaining with Fred and we're setting him free after you had her whole story in court and it was not and it wasn't even half the story and then to just and that's the thing just the men in this series are just I think that's the thing like you sort of because you can see a lot from the women's side of things you just look at the men and go yeah you haven't really got a leg on to really stand and complain because you know her coming to where you live ask for help about Fred when you know after everything she's been through I really don't I think it's the least you can do after everything you've done but you know that's just my two cents and I, I just I don't like Teller I just think and also he seems to have a thing for Serena just seems to flip flop and it's very I, I just I don't trust him he's a very he's not a trustworthy character at all Anyway, so she's she says to him because Emily and her discuss, and this is the part where the thinking comes along. They talk about Gilead and how you know the capital punishment there. You know they would have gotten they would have gotten justice in Gilead, and in some ways that's why the Old Testament sold more. So she gets the idea that they'll bargain in exchange for Commander Waterford. 22 women from uh, Gilead 22 Marthas who are valuable to Canada and basically you can see the clocks turning into it and he's like oh this is more valuable and this will satisfy my boss so basically what well, after discuss with Emily she gets smart and she's like you know what I will play the system and I will find another way to get revenge so after they discuss it in the diner with Commander Lawrence, and you know he has this exchange, and he's like, "Oh, the old June is back, the one who had some fire in her, basically." Um, and there's this, oh, there's this, there's this exchange, and oh, um, I completely missed out another scene. June goes to talk with Fred, and it's a really twisted scene where you know he says he misses off Fred and pours a drink and they talk and at one point I thought she poisoned him because when it focused on the drink I thought oh my god did she poison him because she would have learned about the poison in this season but I, I, re- I rewound it and I was like well actually they would have searched her before she entered the place that's a plot hole if that happened and also we don't actually see her tamper with the drink and you know he would have seen her do that um, big so uh, that was one theory because I was like why would she go there but um, 
they talk and it's weird like Fred apologizes for the hurt he caused of taking Hannah away because now that he's an actual father he has a child and he knows that fear of losing his child because Gilead won't protect them and you know he could be taken away he says it sounds like he's genuinely sorry and it shocks her because she never thought she'd even get that apology whether he actually meant it is a whole other discussion which I but the funny thing is he can only say sorry after he's the same situation which I think is just awful I mean the fact you have to actually experience it yourself before you can understand instead of just being empathetic and putting yourself in someone's shoes so the fact he had to go through it before he could understand her pain and then you know he's oh there's this horrible bit where he's like oh I miss our friend and he keeps cutting back to her when she remembers back in Jezebel dancing with him and having to pretend she liked his company and everything and she had to fake it uh anyway let me look at which part we got to in exchange for Fred um so Twilight says so obviously threw from his boss. Um, after that exchange, June is just ready to go for him, basically, and starts being calculated. She's made her decision, basically, what she's going to do. And then we have this scene. We don't know what's going to happen. We just see Fred. He's going to be... And, oh, I just... I hate the slugness. Just the absolute smugness where he goes oh he says something like um he's got his coat and his bags and he's you know looking forward to going to spread the word and he they've got all the fan mail which makes me feel sick and he's you know he's gonna travel and talk and and then afterwards you know be free and then he says to Serena oh we'll talk on Zoom which I found the most funniest thing ever just the fact Zoom got thrown in and then Serena says yes we'll talk on Zoom and I just I just I couldn't take it seriously that (laughs) maybe they got like uh, money from Zoom for it to be mentioned in this I don't know product placement well if the series needs to get money in its own way that's fine do what you need to do but that bit just cracked me up so much for whatever reason but anyway before he can board the airplane, he's arrested by T- Tyler and brought to Commander Lawrence and Commander Nick. Nobody tells them where they're going, what's happening, if they're going to die, if they're going to get shot or, you know. And that's the thing. They just say, you're not going there. They arrest him. They put him in in the back of the truck. And we can see that fear play out. And then he gets to Gilead. And then he talks to Commander Lawrence. And I think it's some revenge also for Commander Lawrence because if you think back to season three, I think it was, or season, yeah, I think it was season three, him and Serena forced him to basically, you know, they basically forced the ritual to happen when it wasn't. And it basically led 
to his wife ended up was it taking her life? I can't remember what happened but it led to that tragedy which he basically blames the Waterfords for so there's a revenge aspect there and then Nick arrives and then he's saying to Nick Nick son son I forgot how many times he says son he is just using every single manipulation he can to basically manipulate the situation to his hand but it's not Nick he needs mercy from the last chance he had to basically that last meeting in the room that he has with Jude he should have picked better words because basically he's delivered into the woods to June and June has a gun and it says to him to make the choice of whether he wants the gun or the other option I think she says and he says oh no you can't kill me with a gun that's not you and she's like fine we won't use the gun but actually the gun was the uh, the main option out the other option was not so great the last option that she offers is she blows on a whistle all these flashlights turn on and it's all these other women including Emily so handmaids or you know women who were abused by him basically and then she says to him run and you know basically it is mirrored back to the very beginning of the series when she was running away and they chase after him with the torches and they come after him and <laughs> oh god the fear the absolute fear you could taste it you can breathe it you can smell it i mean you know he runs he runs he runs and then they catch up to him and then you know there's this bit where she when she catches up to him and she you know the camera closes on her face and she like breathes in the satisfaction it's a very primal feeling of just this satisfaction of finally she's got her revenge basically and I did wonder whether she was actually going to go through with it or not. And the shocker is, she does. She does go through with it. She pummels him. She comes close to his face and they all start hitting him, beating him up, punching him. And uh, she reaches close to his face and all that time she was forcing herself to pretend to enjoy his company. She then bites him. Something that she's wanted to do since the beginning. She bites, um, I think, his lips or his tongue. We don't really see because it's quite dark. And then they all just beat him senseless to death. They beat him to death. And then they hang him on the wall. And the next morning, we see her with blood on her face. They've all emerged. They've, you know, they've committed the execution and she even and also the way she interacts with Nick and he's like this is disgusting when you know he sees the way the two are basically in love with each other and it's quite sinister I got sort of Bonnie and Clyde feeling because if Nick was a good character he would have I sort of see Moira and Luke as trying to say to her no don't don't go to that place because if you do you'll lose yourself and I see Nick as that sort of he's like yes dig into that trauma and just sort of let it be violent and in some ways you know people go oh that's passionate the trauma it really isn't it won't help her in the long term oh, well who knows maybe it's cathartic well, well I don't know how it will play out in the next season but um I don't think he is healthy for, I mean, you know, but it was like, you know, I've delivered 
him too basically and just she it just shows how much power june has over those two anyway june arrives home with blood on her face to the shock of her husband luke and when he arrives i think his reaction is perfect it's like our reaction because i honestly thought i was like they wouldn't go ahead with her killing fred that wouldn't happen you know, she's going to back out or, you know, something will, or he'll just get away with it. But when it happened, I was like, oh my God, they actually went there. Um, It actually happened. And I wasn't surprised that they were able to kill him because the thing is, it wasn't unrealistic. From the beginning, Gilead has made people kill. If the handmaids don't kill, they get punished severely. And even with the stonings and the beatings, because they, you know, they've killed before. This isn't her first killing. And once you've killed once, it'll be easy to kill again once you get over that first horrible. Because to kill the first time is the trickiest. But because Gilead sort of enables that and you know rewards that, you know, it's already in their psyche, in their nature now that they can kill. So I I could easily believe that they were able to do that, basically. And um, in some ways, I think it's another... It sort of highlights just how awful Gilead is, because that was their form of justice. And in a way, I also blame Canada, because if they just took Fred to justice and put him in prison... None of this would have had to happen. None of this would have had to happen. But again, the government, they're always self-involved. It's always about their interests, about politics. They don't care about actually carrying out human... You know, it's never about these women's stories, which is realistic of, you know, our world today. And in the end, they decided to choose violence. They chose brutally beaten into death and hang them on the wall. And and I'm not going to lie, there was a satisfaction to it. (laughs) (laughs) there was a satisfaction to it because you know and at the end he basically says I don't think it helps because every single time people they mention their children but I I think it's the worst thing to say because you're saying it to women who've had their children ripped away from them by you so it doesn't help your point but um and I just think back to all those scenes where June was humiliated or deprived or punished or abused or isolated to the point where she had to beg and you know at this point it's like enough is enough um anyway Lucas has he's shocked he falls down to the floor in shock when he's like what the hell have you done because you can see the blood on her face and she picks up Nicole and I wish she just cleaned her face because there's blood on Nicole's face and you get it's satisfying but at the same time it's sad because now you just think oh god she she's going down this dark road now and I just I don't see a, a good outcome by the end um, anyway Serena waits for Fred to call on a line as they had planned and you know he's not going to be calling her and then the mail carrier sorts Serena's envelopes. He opens one that includes Fred's wedding ring and ring finger. And he screams. And, oh, just the brutality of that. I mean, you know, 
they didn't just beat him to death and hang him on the wall, but they actually dismembered limbs and body parts. And I just think, oh, God. But, um... And then it just ends there, really. That's where the series ends. It ends with the death of Commander Fred Waterford. And the actor did a phenomenal job. Um... I'm interested to see where the hell season five goes because they've lost, you know, one of the big things we were looking forward to was, you know, what they were going to do with Fred. And to end with that, I mean, there's still other antagonists that need to be brought to justice and Gillian needs to be disassembled. But I don't know where it can go from here and where June's going to go next because she says that she's leaving by the end of that. And not because I think you know, they're going to come after her, because no one knows that he's dead yet, but just the fact that she knows she can't stay here anymore, and when she sees that Luke is shocked by her, and doesn't recognise this version of her, she realises that Luke just... Luke would never... You know, they're too different now. I think she realises that even the way she interacts with Nick is completely different to the way she interacts with... um, to Luke. I'm just going to go back and I'm going to have a look at some articles now. Uh, let me go back. Ending. Okay, 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 okay. Where will June go? I'll look at Harper Bazaar first. Revisiting those emotional yet confusing final moments of the season by Eric Gonzalez. June Osborne spent years trying to get out of Gilead and she finally did it. And after years spent under the control and abuse of Fred Waterford, she finally got her revenge. So what happens next? In the season four finale of The Handmaid's Tale, June takes sweet vengeance when she and a number of women corner Fred in the woods and beat him to death. The next morning, her husband Luke finds Jude bloodied and distraught in the door to Nicole's room. He doesn't seem to know exactly what she did, but he knows they can't be good. Luke doesn't say anything, but June can already start to guess what he's thinking. I know, I'm sorry, she whispered to him. Just give me five minutes, okay? Just give me five minutes with her, then I'll go. But where exactly will June go? And why does she have to leave? Oh, for God's sake. Close that. Um, And then Millis told Variety, I very much want it to be her choice, not consequences. Because once it's consequences, it's just her dealing with those consequences. And of course, there will be that down the line. But right now, there's no crime. Nobody has any idea what happened. Fred's gone. He was traded. It's also possible that she doesn't go at all. When the episode ends, June is still fresh from her long-awaited reckoning. Well, I don't know if she's going to leave. She feels like she has to. June's choice to pursue vengeance makes sense character-wise. Elizabeth Moss, who plays the anti-heroine, told The Hollywood Reporter. She added jokingly, What is the show if she doesn't choose revenge? She lives happily ever after the three, three's company house with Nicole. Even after escaping Gilead, June is still very much living with trauma, Moss explained. As June tells Annie with Florida, she couldn't just let that go as easily. She's been changed too much, Moss told um, the Harp... What's it called? The Harper's... THR. Um, her life is this war in Gilead, and that's her purpose in life. There's nothing else that can be done. That closing scene captures her change from June as a handmaid in Gilead to June as an avenger with more choices but more responsibility. Luke's... <laughs> um, OT... Fugmel as Luke captured all our reactions in Abbey's Tale Season 4 for like his reaction with his with his hand pressed against on his head. Like what the heck? What that was as reacting to the ending. Luke seems to have sensed a deep change in June too. The image of Luke when he sees June with Fred's blood on her face as he falls against the wall is haunting. Executive producer Warren Littlefield told Forbes. He's exact essentially saying, Holy F, look what she's turned into. He knows at the moment who she is now. 
Um, and it's final moments pay off recent flashback. I think basically the episode before where a flashback with Luke says, I'll love whatever you become. Don't worry, I'll love whatever you turn into. In that moment, she's saying, yeah, remember when he said that? This is obviously not true, so I'll go. But he may come back and say, no, no, no. Um, what was the other one? Vulture. Let's check out Vulture. So, oh, for God's sake, really? I really don't understand all these paywalls for these articles. Like, I get people need to make money, but at the same time, could you not, like, roll ads and... Whatever. You've lost a reader. Um, There was someone saying, oh, what was it? The good and bad. There was another article I read I really wanted to um, discuss. (laughs) The good and bad because I disagreed with some of the things said and I thought uh... (laughs) I can't find it But uh, it is what it is. Okay, I can't find it, so we'll just have to leave it there. But um, yeah, that was a really shocking ending. Um, Joseph, I hope I say his name right. Joseph Fiennes, I think that's right. Um, I think the brother played Voldemort, so they did. <laughs> Him and his brother, they're both actors. They did really well portraying villains. Um, I think he'll be glad that he's out of this series because I don't think he played quite a horrible character. And I think he, because he even says in an article, he's glad that Fred got killed, basically, because he's an awful character. But um, yeah, it was just, uh, that was a really brutal ending. And I think it needed that guttural punch. And I'm excited. I wonder what's going to happen in season five. It's frustrating. We're going to have to wait for a year now to find out where they're going to take it. My prediction is June will probably go to Gilead, probably. And I think she will continue her revenge. That's my thoughts. She will get her revenge on Serena. And she will get her revenge on Gilead. And she will keep going. I don't think it will stop. Um, but I'm really excited. The fact that they just killed off Fred. When really that should have been saved for the final season. I wonder where these writers are going to take it next. Because for me. Your big villain. You'd save it till the final season. You don't kill off your big villain. That early. So I wonder what else they've got up their sleeve. Will there be another villain? Or will... And we've still got Serena and Aunt Lydia, and I know we've got the whole Gilead government, but they were never as involved with Jean personally as the others. So I don't know where else they could take it. 
Some people are saying that this might be setting up two testaments. I still need to read the Testaments novel. If I get a chance, I'll have to do a review on it and also see if that all does leeway into the TV series somehow. But um, it feels like they're on their own path. And from what I've seen of this season, it seems like the writers know what they're doing. Uh, I couldn't find the article that I was reading just the other day, but it was saying the good and the bad, and they were discussing some of the bad of, you know, that we spent so much time in Canada, and, you know, June's story should be over. I don't think June's story is over. I don't know which article article I read, but someone said June's story should, should have finished by now. Actually, I disagree. I don't think her story is far from over. I don't think June's story is over until she gets Hannah back. Because we started off the series with June and Hannah. And you can tell Hannah is her world. Even though she loves Nicole, Hannah is her first daughter. And Hannah is from her previous world. And for her, she will never find peace until she gets Hannah back. I don't think the series will be over until either June gets Hannah. And maybe she dies or whatever happens there. But I don't think it will resolve until she gets back Hannah. She'll never stop. <clears throat> That's just my feeling. <laughs> kind of reminds me of the plot of Taken, where the father just won't stop till he, get his, till he gets his daughter back. I get the same feeling with June. She has that primal need, that maternal instinct to get her daughter back, and she will kill whoever is in her way. She'll, And she she just doesn't care. She's not Moira and Luke, who don't mind just sitting in Canada, fiddling their thumbs, making nice speeches and healing therapy, which is all great. I'm not criticising that. But she's too changed to sort of accept that as a reality. So, yeah. So, yeah, these predictions, I just... It's interesting... I can predict as much as I like, but the writers surprise me each time with which path they really take. And I keep thinking, where could they go from here? Because I just don't know where else they could take it. And then they just, they take it somewhere else and you think, okay, we're going down this route. Um, If she does go back to Gilead, it'd be so stupid. The thing is, though, it's a game changer. She knows where Hannah is now. So she could go back... And she knows where Hannah is in Colorado and try to sort of go to Colorado to try and get her out of there. But the trouble is she's been really heavily watched and Nick said it's almost impossible to get her out. But, you know, I just don't... I don't think she'll let that stop her. Serena will be in for a shock next season because, you know, Tulio basically kept giving her the choice of... You know, I, I feel like Tulio wants her to basically choose him or something and start a life in Canada with him. And each time, Serena's not clever. She keeps flip-flopping and making demands and acting superior. And then, oh, I ask for your forgiveness. And the next thing, she's, you know, wanted to smash them to pieces in court. And then, you know, make... Serena just is not clever at all. She just... Some of her decisions decisions are really stupid. And she just doesn't learn from her mistakes. But, oh, and, you know, I honestly think she's a little... She's very self-involved. She just thinks about herself at the end of the day, Serena. And, um... But, yeah, um... 
it'll be interesting to see what will happen with Esther and Janine. I think next season will continue. I think it's great we have Esther and Janine. They are basically our perspective in Gilead. And then we have June, who's our perspective in Canada. And we're going to see how that continues through the season. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I think they killed off Fred Waterford in that manner. Just so Game of Thrones, just so brutal. And June did it. I don't think this series will... (laughs) There's nowhere this series can't go. I think it will really just go to places. The writers will take it where they want to take it. And it'll be a shocker the next season as well. Um, So yeah, those are my feelings and reactions. Um, I should have done this this before because I sound so tired recording this. But it was such a, a gut punch from start to finish that episode um I honestly didn't think they were going to go through with it and they did um and that was a that was a shocker to get rid of your huge that was quite a season finale to do um so yeah um what did you think of the ending of season 4 of The Handmaid's Tale did you enjoy this season as much as the last ones or did you think it wasn't that great um and yeah this is another reason why I'm filming these podcasts I don't know anyone else who's who's watching these because I, I keep recommending it to people but it's a hard sell when you talk about all the topics I mean even my sister Hannah was like no nah, I'm not watching that it just sounds really triggering and depressing and so it's a hard sell I completely get it but I just think it's a powerful watch and there are satisfying moments the end of season 4 is so satisfying to June to yourself because we have to watch all of that pain and suffering and it's intentional because even though some of her decisions are wrong we understand why she made that decision doesn't justify but we understand so yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens next it'll be interesting to see where the writer takes it next uh, everyone's done a phenomenal job in the series. The whole cast involved, the actors for Aunt Lydia, just every single person has done a phenomenal job. The cinematography, the music, just such a great job in this series as always. And it's so sad it took such a long time for season four to get released because of this stupid pandemic. I just hope they do season five quicker and we get it sooner so we don't have to wait two years for the next one because I am just ready for season five. I'm just really annoyed now. We'll have to wait a year for the next one. But that's life. You have to wait for good things, unfortunately. Um, And yeah, phenomenal job to everyone. I think in the meantime, whilst I'm waiting, I'll probably read The Testaments by Margaret Atwood and uh, my dear review on that at some point. Have an incredible day. Thank you for listening and hope you tune in for the next one. Take care. Bye. Thank you.